to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you could please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Pick it up in verse 1. I'm so excited we're starting a new book. This is a rich, rich, rich book. The title of our message here this morning is Abounding Peace. Abounding Peace. I remember when I was in like second grade and at the time we, our family lived in Northern California. We, we moved around a lot when I was growing up. My dad was remarried, and so uh, him and my stepmother, they went out to eat, and they didn't get home till real late, and I just remember I was sleeping. Every one of us, the kids were all asleep. At that time, I believe there were six kids in our family, but I was, I had stepbrothers and sisters, but I was sleeping, and my sister came in my room, and she started shaking me. She says, wake up, wake up. She said, someone has broken into our house, and someone had. Someone was bro- had broken into our house. And so she's, you know, telling me what to do, being my older sister, my sister Roseanne, who loves the Lord, and watches on, on uh, Facebook Live. Hi, Roseanne. But, uh, but she woke me up, and she says, get up, there's someone, you know, someone's broke into the house, there's a burglar in the house. And this is what she told me. She says, close your eyes and pretend you're asleep, because if you open up your eyes and look at him, he'll probably kill you, because you can identify him. <laughs> And then she darted out of her room and she went to her room. So she said, close your eyes because if you open your eyes, if you see them and they know that you see them, you can identify them and they'll probably kill you, right? So I'm there as like a seven-year-old child and I've got my eyes closed. I'm trying to keep my eyes closed, but my body starts shaking. The more I think about it, you know, so I'm shaking. So I kept opening up my eyes to see if they're coming into my room. Finally, I put the covers over my my face because I figured even if my eyes are open, they're not going to be able to tell. But literally, I was shaking like a leaf. My whole bed was shaking like this. And I thought, if they come in my room, they're going to shoot me just to put me out of my misery. So, <laughs> so I ran into her room and I said, you know, I can't, you know, there's no way I can keep my eyes closed. And so we went downstairs, our older brother, my stepbrother, uh, had a room in the basement. So we went down there to wake him up. He wouldn't wake up. He didn't believe us. And he said, no, someone's in the house. He's like, you know, he wouldn't wake up. He was comatose. So we left him. So we called the police. Check this out. We called the police, and she was whispering on, you know, 911. She says, there's someone in our house. And they said, speak up. She goes, there's someone in our house. And, and they said, we can't hear you. What is your address? And she said, it is one far day. And she, they said, you have to speak up. So she yelled. She says, someone's in our house. <laughs> and the guys upstairs that were in our house, had broken our house, they ran out of the house. They, I, they, even, uh, they hit the table, the dining room table. We had those big salt and pepper shakers. And they fell. We heard the salt and pepper shaker fall down over, and they, they left the door open and they ran out. The police came and everything was fine. But what a crazy story, huh? (laughs) Why did I tell you that story? I just like the story, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) The reason why I told you that story is because we can all deal with fear in some way or another. But we have a God that, that gives us peace regardless of our circumstances. We have a God of peace. And God not only wants to give you and I peace in the midst of any circumstance that we're in, but he wants to give us an abounding peace. He wants to give us a peace that just is abundant, abundant peace. So we have a God of peace. No matter what we go through, no matter how difficult the times are that we might face, we have a God of peace. Amen? 
And with that being said, that's one of the things we're gonna look at. So if you can please stand with me, and I just, I wanna read these two verses here out of 1 Peter chapter one. We're gonna look at verses one and two. The apostle Peter writes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Lord, as we prayed, we just pray again for this topic of peace and pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts what that means to us today and what these two verses mean to us, what you're trying to communicate to us, Lord, through these two verses, Lord. So have your way, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I don't know about you, but the author of this book, I really love this author, Peter, because Peter was a fisherman. Peter was uneducated, but God used this man in powerful, wonderful ways. So the author of this letter that we're going to read, the letter we're going to, you know, kind of make our way through is none other than the fisherman, Peter, but as we see, he's no longer a fisherman, he's an apostle. He's writing this to those that are going through heavy persecution. They're being dispersed. So the d- dispersion is uh, they, these Jewish believers in Jesus Christ are being persecuted because of their faith. They had to, to leave uh, Jerusalem and the Isra- Isra- Israeli you know, area at the time. And so they were dispersed. And so they're under heavy persecution. As a matter of fact, shortly after this, the persecution was even worse. Shortly after he wrote this letter, and Caesar Nero was the uh, emperor at the time. And if you know anything about Caesar Nero, he was a very wicked man. He would have Christians actually put in wax, and he would put them in his garden, and he would light them on fire alive in his garden. And some say that he would take his chariot, and he would ride his chariot in his gardens as the Christians were being burned alive you know, in wax, and he would say, light of the world, light of the world. Some even say that he was riding on his, in his chariot naked, saying, light of the world. He was just a, a wicked man. Many Christians were martyred under Caesar Nero. He was a very wicked man. He had Christians uh, fed to the lions alive. That was part of their entertainment. And so persecution was very heavy when this was being written, and it's here to encourage Those that are suffering, the theme of the letter is hope in the midst of suffering. It was written, many believe, around the time uh, 63 or 65 AD, if you're a note taker. So imagine that. Imagine living during that time and fearing for your life and, and persecution just, you know, just so terrible. And the ruler of the Roman Empire is this man that hates Christians. It's just, I mean, we... We think we're having a bad day when we're stuck on the 405 or the 91, right? That's terrible. I just want to say before we even get into the the first verse here that suffering in difficult times will affect each one of us in our lifetime. We will go through sufferings. We will go through difficult times. We're we're not immune to that. I've mentioned this before. I've often thought, boy, it would be nice if I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and then I would just kind of float to heaven. Wouldn't that be nice? 
just float to heaven with peace. But, but what happens is we live in a fallen world here today, and it's in this fallen world that we're in, there's you know, t- difficult times we're gonna experience. We're gonna go through persecution. We're gonna go through you know, trials. We're gonna go through heartaches. We're gonna go through rejection. We're gonna go through you know, job losses. We're gonna go through you know, people rejecting us, people lying about us. We're gonna go through all kinds of things in this life, but we can have an anchor that holds us. And that anchor is Jesus Christ Amen. and his word in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of sufferings. We have a gentleman that's here with us today. I, I ran into him at Ralph's Market. I won't point him out, but the doctors gave him 15 months to live. That was 15 years ago because of his illness. Yeah. But this gentleman who's here with us, he suffers pain every day, but yet he has joy and hope in the midst of his suffering. And he's here raising his hands to Jesus. We will go through suffering. I have a good friend of mine that just recently was diagnosed with terminal cancer and the doctors have given him only months to live, up to, I think, up to 12 months. He was just married this year. So there's things we go through in this life, but this gentleman that's a friend of mine, he's going through it with joy and hope because he realizes that Jesus Christ has a plan in everything that he does. I just want to say, again, before we go into this verse, we will experience difficult times. Maybe you're not going through difficult times right now. Maybe you're going through great times, and that's wonderful, but Just remember, we will all go through difficult times in our life. There's going to be things we're going to go through, challenging times. But God wants to use those challenging times for us when the enemy wants to use it against us. And the enemy wants to use it and and bring us to that place of despair and bitterness when God wants to bring hope and, and encouragement and courage. And he's changing us. So here the apostle Peter writes this wonderful letter and he gives us hope and he talks about hope that we can have in the midst of difficult times. So I want to look back at the first verse as it states, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims. If you're a note taker, the the word pilgrim is basically foreigner or stranger. So they were strangers in this foreign land. They were dispersed. That word dispersion means to be scattered. They were scattered in all these different areas. These are all the areas of Asia Minor. They're uh, modern-day Turkey today. So these Christians that Peter's writing this letter to, they're dispersed. And so it doesn't go to, this letter doesn't go out to a specific church, but it goes out to all those that are being dispersed and being, uh, you know, scattered there in Turkey so primarily it goes out to the Jews, the Christian Jewish people, but also, also Gentiles, and it's, it goes out to us today. The word apostle simply means sent out, one who's sent out. Simon Peter was one of the 12 that Jesus picked. I, 
I have a hard time sometimes when someone says, well, I'm Apostle John, or I'm Apostle Pete, and I'm Apostle George, you know, I, because really, in the strictest sense of the word apostle, there's only 12. Jesus Christ picked 12 apostles, so in the strictest sense of the word apostle. But if you want to look at it in a loose way and say, well, one that's sent out, and a, you know, someone that's sent out, then, you know, I guess you can use that, but I, I just my personal thing, just I'm, I'm not standing behind the pulpit, I'm over here, so... But that's my personal opinion. I have a problem when people say, well, I'm Apostle, I mean, I've met people like this. Hi, I'm Apostle John. It's like, well, I'm not gonna call you Apostle John if you don't mind, it's just. Uh... There was 12 and Peter was one of the 12. There was three prominent leaders during the time of the early church, actually four, but the, the three that, that we read about quite a bit is there's Peter, as we're reading about Paul, and, and then John. But also James was uh, one of the main leaders also. So you have those four. But this is interesting. This is a great note to take if you've never heard this before. Uh, Paul the Apostle, he was the Apostle of Faith. He's known as the Apostle of Faith. Peter here is known as the Apostle of Hope, as we just said. But John was the Apostle of Love. So we have faith, hope, and love wrapped up in these three writers. I thought that to be very interesting. Do you know this? Check this out. Do you know the Apostle Peter's name is mentioned in the gospel more than anyone other than Jesus Christ? Did you know that no one speaks in the gospel accounts more often than Peter does other than Jesus? Do you know that Jesus spoke more to Peter than any other individual? Did you know that Jesus also rebuked Peter more than any other disciple? <laughs> Guess that's what happens when your mouth is open a lot. You, you can say some crazy things. Did you know that Jesus praised Peter more than any of the disciples? And again, Peter was an uneducated fisherman. But when we dig into this letter, we're going to realize he is a very learned man. And we know the reason because we read about it in Acts chapter 4 because they were astonished by him and they said, isn't this, an, he's an uneducated man, but the key was he spent time with Jesus. He spent three years with Jesus. And I pray as we glean off of this man's writing that we'll realize the key is spending time with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Look at verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Some people get all kind of riled up when they read that word elect, according to the foreknowledge of God. And you get, we, we have debates. We have great debates about election and, and free will and all this kind of crazy stuff. I, I really, you know, I'm kind of a simple person and I kind of see it in a simple way. God is able to elect somebody because of the fact that God is all-knowing. If God is all-knowing, he can elect people. So if God knew the day you accepted Christ, you used your free will to accept Christ, well, God being outside of time, knowing all things from beginning to end, he knew that you were going to come to know him in a saving way, so he can elect you according to his foreknowledge. And I find that simple, you know, personally, you know, I, some people, and I, I get people that like to argue with me about this and this and this, but, it's, but it's, to me, it's pretty simple. The, the day, October 29th, 1995, when my sister reached out her hand and said, can I pray for you? And I accepted Christ, and I asked Jesus to, to come live inside of me. God wasn't surprised. He wasn't like looking at his books and saying, what, how did this happen? I never knew this was gonna happen. 
I was surprised, and I'm still surprised at the grace of God. And you have your story, and you, you know, when you came to Christ, hopefully everybody here has a story. When Jesus Christ became your personal Lord and Savior, when you accepted him as Lord and Savior, and you turned your life over to him, and he filled you with the Holy Spirit, and you became born of his Holy Spirit, and you've been given new life. Each one of us should have that story. But let me tell you, God was not shocked when you prayed that prayer. He can elect according to his foreknowledge. He knows, if God knows all things, let me ask you this, if God knows all things, can, is there anything that he can learn? No. So if he knows all things, do you think he knows when we accept him as our Lord and Savior? Of course he does. I, I love my wife's story. I kind of talked to her about it a little bit last night. But here, I believe it's 1990. Is it 1990 or, yeah, 1990, when uh, here she was in Scotland and she was... Uh, jazz singer, and she doesn't like me to talk too much about all that, but she was a professional jazz singer, and, and this gentleman, I don't know if you've heard of him, Pastor Raul Reese, just happened to be staying in the hotel that she was in. So Raul Reese heard the, the jazz music, and he loved the music, so he came down to listen to it, and then he engaged her in a conversation and shared Jesus Christ with her. Do you know that's the first time she heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? But she didn't receive the Lord. She argued with him. She thought he was crazy and said, this, these Americans are weird. <laughs> and they got funny accents, too. You know, they, so she, did, she, she, wasn't, she wasn't having it, though. But listen to this. The story goes, I found out later that Raul Reese had a tour there. He had a, a, a bus of, of, of people there from the church. And the next morning, he got on his bus and he started telling about this Scottish girl, this young girl that he was able to share with. He says, why don't we all stop right now and pray for that young girl? But it took a few months before she accepted Christ. And one of her friends accepted the Lord and started going to this church. And they kept inviting her to come out to the ch this church. And she said, okay. And she was all ready. She said, I promise, I'm going this Sunday. I'll be there this Sunday. And they said, are you sure? She said, yeah, I'll be there this Sunday. And so the Lord is doing a work in my wife's heart already. And so she's ready to go to church. That Friday night, she was at a nightclub. She stepped out of the front door of the nightclub. And somebody in a car had a crowbar. And they threw it at the door of the nightclub. Just as she opened the door, the crowbar hit her in the chest and split open you know, her skin. And, and she almost died covered in blood the doctor told her you should have died well guess what she didn't make it to church on Sunday so her friend brought the elders from the church they went to her home and they prayed with her and she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior isn't that a great story But God wasn't shocked. Do you know that God chose us before the foundation of the world? Most of you know this. Ephesians 1.3. Paul the Apostle writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In the heavenly places in Christ. Now look at this. Just as he chose us in him. Can we read that together? before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So when did God choose us? Before the foundations of the world. He knows all things. Before he laid the foundations of the world, he knew that you would come to Christ. He knew that you would use 
that free will that he gave you to choose and make a choice so he can choose us before the foundations of the world, this great election. Look back at verse two again. Look at that. Did you notice? Do you notice something there? Do you notice the Trinity there in that verse? God the Father, the Spirit, and Jesus Christ. There's people that'll tell you, oh, the Bible doesn't teach the Trinity. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't prove the, the Trinity. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Did you hear people say that before? Well, the word Bible's not in the Bible, but, it, you know, we have a Bible, right? <laughs> it's in the title. There you go. That's right. But we see God the Father, the one who elects, it shows us here. God the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, meaning purifies us, sets us apart, consecrates us. Jesus Christ, his blood being sprinkled, he cleanses us and washes away our sin. So we see the wonderful trinity here. But back, if you look at the the last part of this, his greeting is grace to you and peace be multiplied. Isn't that a great greeting? He doesn't just say grace and peace be to you. He says grace and peace be multiplied to you. Multiplied. If you're a note taker, the word multiply means to abound or to be richly allotted to you. I pray that for all of us, that God's peace would be richly allotted to each one of us. Don't you love the peace of God? Don't you love when you get bad news and then you, you might get stirred up a little bit, but then you pray and God just floods you with peace? You see, the Bible teaches that he gives us a peace that goes beyond our circumstance, goes beyond a peace that guards our heart, a peace that guards our mind. He, he gives us great peace. In the year 2000, as Dave pointed out, this is our 18-year anniversary, and I'm just, what a blessing. I'm seriously, it just... I can say this with all honesty and sincerity. I can look at everyone in the eye and say this. These past 18 years being married to that woman right there have been by far the best 18 years of my whole entire life. There's no doubt. And so we were married in 2000, and I actually I called her father for her hand in marriage, and it was so great. You know, I, I didn't know what he was going to say, and he was literally laughing and just giggling and saying, yes, and I said, can I have her hand in marriage? He says, yes, and, and I look forward to meeting you, and it was just, a, he was so joyful when I asked for her hand in marriage. So shortly after that, after we were married, we flew out so I could meet my, my father-in-law, and so we just hung out with him. We just loved on him, but he wasn't a believer at the time, and we, you know, we tried to share the Lord. He didn't want to hear anything about God. He didn't, you know, we could talk about anything, but don't talk about God. So we, you know, did our best to just sit there. And then he was a smoker, too. And me, I'm allergic to smoke. And I'm just like, this is great. You know, just the room's filled with smoke, and he's smoking away. But God protected us. We didn't get sick. But we knew we were leaving soon, and we were praying for him at, at nighttime when we were alone. And, and something just happened. The Lord was just there in that room. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before, but God just kind of showed up while we were praying for her dad. And, and he was just there, and it was just a sweet time. And we were, I believe, had tears in our eyes because we realized we're going to leave, and he's you know, still sick, and we don't know what's happening with him. He doesn't know the Lord. And, and a prayer came out of my mouth, and I'll never forget. I said, God, don't allow Daniel to have any peace until he knows you as the Prince of Peace. 
Fast forward four months later, we're back home. We, we get a call that her dad's dying now, four months later. So we need to fly back out to see him. Our good friend, Kathy Simpson, was the, the pastor's wife of the Calvary Chapel there in Motherwell. She went out to visit him. The very first thing he said, Daniel said to this pastor's wife, he said, Kathy, I have no peace. I have no peace. And she says, Daniel, you know how to get peace. It's through Jesus. And he says, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.